Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And this week, another episode brought to you by Velocity. We are going to tell you what region you should invest your money into for the best house growth over the next five years. How to get rich off property. So would you like to make a 100% return on your money? <laughs> Invest in the West Coast right now. I mean, so, the West Coast. so today we're talking all about breaking down by regions, which have performed the best and kind of some notes on, on where we think there might be some opportunity going forward. I must say as a starting point, Jeff and Mike having no idea where some of these places are. Pretty yeah. funny. Look, um, I'm not great with New Zealand geography. Everyone's got areas of their life they can improve on. You can hit me in the comment section if you want to tell me some more. Uh, but this is probably one of the big ones for me. I did ask you before the podcast if Queenstown was in Otago or Canterbury. I don't know. It's just a giant island. You're all good at rugby down there. You win a lot. I don't really care. God, when you when you say with you're all, I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> um, he's just a simple North Shore boy with an oyster farm. I have okay? been to Dunedin. Yeah. yeah, when you were 21 yeah. to... Um, We've been to Christchurch. We have been, been to, to Queenstown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've been to Queenstown for a stag do and a wedding. Weirdly, <laughs> I've also been to Stewart Island. That is weird. Mm. Did you skip straight past Invercargill? No, flew through. And- All love to nannies. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about historical performance. So there's a big thing when we talk to clients about where to invest. We're mm. very big on the major centers. You want density of population because the more population, the more likelihood you're going to be able to rent out a place. Yep. Good for capital gains, all that kind of sweet stuff. Uh, so we go, hey, buy in Auckland first. We're going to talk a little bit about why. Christchurch is a good second option, but then there's lots of other, you know, sometimes we send people to Gizzy. We're yeah. pretty pretty bullish on Gisborne these yeah, days. Yeah, I love Gisborne, but I think probably one of the big things here is when we're talking about where you should invest your money and, you know, um, what region and all of these sorts of things, everything we talk about with our customers, we balance with what is the goal, what is the timeline, and what is the risk that they are comfortable with. So while we're sitting here going, yeah, Gisborne might be up, 3,000% and the west coast of somewhere on the north shore of the South Island might be up like 50,000%. We are always balancing the advice we give with the risk, right? Yeah. So again, this isn't financial advice, but go gizzy. The north shore of the South Island took me a second to process. Uh, so <laughs> let's go to the west coast. Yeah, yeah. So let's go through some historical <laughs> performance numbers of the New Zealand housing market by regions. Mm. So overall, over the past five years, we have seen the market increase 34%. Mike. Let's just spend a second talking about that number. Yeah. You know, we talk about how over the past two years, property market's down about 15, 20%. Mm. Interesting when you pull it back out to five, we're still up 34%. Yeah, look, and people have really short-term memories about these sorts of things as well. Intrinsically, we know that property does well over the long term and we never run our numbers off 20% per annum or 10% per annum. We use nice, consistent, conservative figures. Five to 7% per annum uh, is what we kind of anticipate over the long term for capital gains. But yep, housing market's been up 34% in the last five years. We've had some ups and some downs in there, but you know, over the long term, we know how these things track. The interesting thing is we assume that it's really focused on the major centers. That's where most yeah. of the people live. That's where most of the capital gains are going to be. But Michael, that's not the case. Yeah. So let's have a look at our first graph here. So the five-year growth rate split down into some, uh, some regional centers as well. The standout performer here and probably my next tattoo, uh, Gisborne. What's that tattoo going to look like? It's Mike? just going to be gizzy. 
yeah. hardcore. Just like, oh no, it's Taranaki no, hardcore, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I'm enough. just defending everyone. Yeah. You, are, I mean, I think you're only going to have clients left in Auckland by the end yeah. of this. Uh, so yeah, if we look at the numbers, Gizzy is sitting at 86% growth over five years. Coming behind, we've got the mighty Manawatu at 66%, Southland represent at 69%, West Coast at 68%. Now, Mike, we might talk about why that is the case in a second. If we break it down, who's coming behind? A lot of the other um, uh, regions are not too far behind. Mm. The the ones dragging uh, the most behind, Auckland at 20% growth yeah. and Wellington at 32% growth. Yeah, so... Look, um, each region has kind of, I guess, different factors as to what, what a little bit in play. There's regional factors, right? Wellington, obviously, um, you've got the politicians and change of governments definitely swing things around as well from time to time. Um, but I guess one of the big things with um, uh, with Auckland is just kind of how overcooked it was a bit and how much it's come back. Um, and in terms of, I guess, your also your median price point of where you're starting. Yeah. Um, you know, as house prices increase in Auckland, a lot of investors uh, may think, oh, crap, I actually can't afford a house here, but I can afford a house uh, somewhere a little bit cheaper, like Gisborne, like Southland, like Tasman, um, you know, like places outside of Auckland. So, you know, it's these sorts of things. Sorry, Ravi's lost I'm it. Sorry, sorry to Ravi's all, lost it. I'm sorry to all three people in Tasman. My bad. Um, like, look, but at the end of the day, there are a number of factors that kind of drive this thing. Ravi has lost it. Um, so, yeah, but I guess at the end of the day, uh, on, on, on the whole, um, those regional centres haven't performed quite as well as some of those, uh, those other ones. There's two big parts to this as well. You know, who, where are you living and where are you where are you investing? Mm. And I think in terms of where you're living, I mean, I look at used to look after a team of financial advisors around the country. Yeah, I didn't pay the ones in the major centres more than the ones that lived in the regions. Right, mm. there was the same opportunity for income, and I think that's yeah. I mean, yep, there's ex- exceptions to that, but relatively consistent that you can earn good income across the country. But we certainly, I mean, Hamilton and Tauron are really good examples where a lot of Aucklanders moved young families down to those regions for a much better quality of life because they didn't have this really heavy mortgage yeah. sitting over them. Mm. And then the other piece in terms of the investing side is we turned around, it's like Auckland's really overcooked. I can't buy a place in Auckland, but I am going to go buy a place in Gisborne or the Manawatu or um, Invercargill, a lot yeah. of investors popped off. I knew, I know investors who used to um, fly down there every week to renovate places and then kind of flip them and sell them. Yeah. A couple of other factors that kind of come into play there as well, if we look at the COVID situation. Mm. So during COVID, everyone had, obviously had to stay home. It was really great. We all loved it. It was amazing. We got on with our spouses really well. Um, but, you know, everything okay? that kind of accelerated, I guess, the work from home uh, kind of way of working and, and the changes there. And actually, all of a sudden, you didn't need to be right in a city center to get to the office every day. And that kind of expanded to actually, well, you know, if I run a sales team and my sales team are based across the country, could I go back and live in Upper Hutt, you know, where my family are and where it's you know a little bit cheaper and obviously have a better quality of life because you know, actually I don't need to be in the city center anymore. So you start to talk again about what you mentioned there with the lower cost of living, right? Yeah. And then companies have realized actually, you know, people need to be in the office and you're going to be in minimum three days a week, Mike. Yeah, 100%. So um, another big one there, obviously, what we just touched on with the investors. Um, so, you know, we've got that low interest rates and the capital gains that everyone was getting during the COVID boom. Um, and the equity growth on their kind of home, maybe in a major city center, 
maybe wasn't sufficient to get another investment property in the city center. So just by the mechanism of how much they could borrow, they thought, yep, yeah, I could do nothing or actually I could go somewhere a little bit cheaper, uh, maybe a little bit riskier and get a, get a property. And we have actually seen that the rental yields um, in provincial areas were a lot better than the rental yields in Auckland. And again, shout out to Gisborne again, uh, those rental yields down there. Yeah. Damn, hot. I, I think just coming to the rental yields for a second, uh, like you look at Auckland, you buy a new build, a pretty standy sort of property. You're probably topping it up somewhere between two and two and a half thousand dollars a month mm. in a place with Gibbs, Gisborne. You can go from a four percent rental yield in Auckland to like a ten percent rental yield, yeah. and go from having to do those top ups to to the cash flows breaking even, plus principal and interest repayments. Yeah, and then a lot of those um, a lot of those kind of houses in those provincial areas, they're not going to be new build properties. They won't have that kind of I guess the uh, tax advantage attached to them that a new build property was having. A lot of cases in the provincial areas, new build properties don't really stack up too well in terms mm-hmm. of the cost, but now that you've got a property-focused government who is perhaps going to uh, roll back that interest deductibility in a couple of years, you almost wonder if that creates a bit of a short-term demand increase for people willing to um, eat a bit of the cost over the next couple of years. Housing market's down a little bit. Rental yields are good. They go, actually, you know what? Now might be the time to just go grab an in-situ property. You know, you're, you're talking 1,100 squares um, in Gisborne, $600,000, you know, and it's going to rent for 800 a week. You know, and actually think you'd run the math on it and go, actually, I think I can hold this one out for a couple of years. Hopefully we get that interest deductibility rolled back. Property market swings up again and maybe we subdivide, build on the back and flog it. Yeah. So that's what's happened and that's why it's happened. Let's talk, Mike, about what's going to happen. Mm. So for lots of our clients who are talking about buying investment property, we do tend to encourage them to, to look at Auckland. And there's quite a few key reasons for that. The first is the high net migration numbers at the moment, Mike. There's a lot. Of, there's not a lot of houses. There's a lot of people coming here. Yeah, and due to the topography of Auckland, it's kind of a pain in the ass to spread, like to build out. Um, Sorry, yeah. can what was that word? Topography. This right. Is you can't time. say Tasman, but you can say topography. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pronounced Tasman. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, you know, uh, Auckland. You got high net migration. Um, you know, we've got. Oh, to be fair, a lot of the recent arrivals into New Zealand can't purchase right at the start, but you know they do kind of choose to settle here. They will be renting for a while to get their PR, and then they can they can purchase. So you do have that kind of rental demand as people move in, and that in between couple of years before they can actually go and buy. So again, you've got the combination of high net migration coming in, and then the way that they migrate and the restrictions placed on them for purchasing properties, which means actually that will fuel the rental demand as well as some long-term property demand. Yeah, so what Mike's talking about is the demand side. On the supply side, which is Economics 101, we're seeing um, new suppliers diminishing, lower consent volumes, obviously a very tricky market with high interest rates, people feeling a little bit more bearish. So we've got on one side, more people needing houses. Mm. On the other side, less houses getting built. Yeah. So it's that's why we're bullish on Auckland. But Mike, you've got that freshly inked tattoo that Gizzy says Gizzy across your chest. Why are you so bloody bullish on Gisborne? Yeah, it's cool. already gone up 86%. Why is it going to go up? For- Watch it triple again. <laughs> no, look, so 
is a, is a number of reasons to love Gisborne, right? And it's not just for R&V, which we all love. It's not just for the beautiful beaches. Uh, so look, uh, look, at the end of the day, um, you've had uh, really strong growth over the last you know, 12, 18, 20, 24 months, whatever. Um, but the rental yields on those properties are great. Land is still relatively cheap in Gisborne. Um, and, you know, I guess new builds, when you look at the cost of new builds and building in Gisborne, doesn't really make a lot of new builds too feasible. If you build a new build for $900,000 and sell it for seven fifty, dollars Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So when we're looking at Gisborne, we're looking at a few things, right? The kind of the guys that are into the Burr strategy really love, you know, these sorts of properties because they're larger, older houses that can sometimes have, you know, really clear and easy ways that you can turn a three into a four bedroom. You know, there's a number of multiple dwellings down there as well that you can kind of increase the rent again. Um, but look, at the end of the day, um, I think the land is reasonably well priced um you know you can subdivide it land doesn't sell too well down there so you might need to put a house on the bank to sell it but there's a lot of reasons to like gisborne at the moment and the numbers do stack in a lot of cases yeah and we see a lot of a lot of clients where they move towards the social housing side and then um obviously again the interest deductibility and a really good guaranteed rent yeah shout out to the education sector palmerston north and dunedin so that area looks quite promising, will attract the children of the growing middle class from Southeast Asia and drive rental demand. It's, it's a, uh, those, those universities and those towns mm. are a very important part of what happens with the rental market down there. Yeah, they're pretty key. Yep. The next kind of regions we're looking at here, Bay of Plenty. So look, Tauranga, like a lot of Aucklanders have left Auckland and, and moved to Tauranga just for the cheaper prices, the lifestyle, it's by the beach. There's a lot to love around there, you know, Rotorua is a bit of an interesting one. Um, there is yields on offer there. A lot of um, what we're seeing with our investor clients in Rotorua is not actually your stock standard house, but that kind of multiple dwellings on one property, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe an old motel or something that they're carving up and making kind of semi-long-term uh, accommodation, which provides really good yields. Um, only thing to just watch there is you're obviously flicking from your residential rates onto your commercial rates a lot of the times with those sorts of properties, so the math just runs slightly differently. Yeah, and Queenstown. So if you were to roll back to the start of COVID, mm. if you were, there was a time that Queenstown was going to fall off a cliff that was going to be there because there was no tourists, and Queenstown still performed really, really well. Now, how much of that was artificial interest rates? Who knows? But obviously, we'll continue to attract tourists, continue to um, attract investors mm. because of short-term uh, accommodation options. One thing that will be interesting, Mike, is we're seeing in Italy, New York, Airbnbs essentially has been rolled out and banned because if you're trying to live in Queenstown and can't get a long-term rental, that's not good. Yeah, especially for people in the hospital sector. Mm. Like if you think they're not earning huge wages and all of a sudden they're having to pay this, they're competing with tourist money coming in and tourist dollars. There's a strong case there for Airbnb being really restricted or actually banned from certain areas or the entire town yeah. um, because otherwise – you know, you've got cases in Queenstown where companies are buying old motels and houses to house their staff in because they simply cannot get a rental. Yeah, so that will be probably an interesting part to watch going forward. Mm. But they're, they're who we're, that's who we're bullish on on going forward. There's your historical data. Mike, we're going to move this into a you know probably quarterly or six-monthly series yep. talking about how these regions are performing. So watch this space. Gizzy hardcore. Let's do it. Thank you for Let's joining us. Please subscribe, review, like, and we will catch you when, Mike? Next week.